yes, it's coming in three, two, one. On the air with FDT TV, the premiere West Ham and Arsenal football podcast brought to you every Monday by Michael Hawes and Ian Vulcan. Well, hello and welcome to the FDT TV podcast. My name is Ian. I'm Mike. Uh, we are here every week, usually on a Monday, sometimes on a Tuesday, to talk about everything football. I, uh, as you can quite clearly see, am a West Ham fan. Mike is an Arsenal fan, and that's for those of you who have not been here before. Uh, obviously, some of you probably will have been, but if not, then make sure you go over to the YouTube channel and subscribe, uh, because we will have some exciting content coming up a bit later on this year, and you don't want to miss out on that. But anyway, Mike, in terms of football, how have you been this week? Um, a bit up and down. Um, in fact, no, it's just been a bit of a Debbie Downer. I've got to be honest. Disappointing game against Liverpool after the heroic display, I think, in the first leg of the Carabao Cup at Anfield, down to 10 men. And then we just kind of withered and died in the second leg. Um, and then the game against Burnley, again, an, another drab performance. And I'm hoping that now we've got January out of the way, the run will start again because we've got no excuses now. We've got no cups. One game a week to focus on, with the exception of the occasional midweek game because of fixture congestion and postponement and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, um, a bit of a bit of a, a damp squib week, if I'm being honest. What about yourself? Um, cheated. Cheated. That's what I will <laughs> say. But you saying you're out of both cups, that means that I can take. League Cup off of our display. So, yes. so, so for your one competition, we're still in free, mate. We could still do the treble here. Um, yeah, a bit cheated. I, I think we'll get into it in, in a lot more depth uh, in a short while um, in relation to um, that lovely, lovely system called VAR. Um, but other than that, it's been okay. Um, now, I do have a question for you straight off the bat about the, the Liverpool game. Mm-hmm. So uh, a number of fans and, and neutrals that I've spoken to have uh, said that they wanted Arsenal to win. Not necessarily because they support Arsenal, but just because they don't like they Liverpool. Liverpool. Uh, and Jurgen Klopp's excuses are getting worse and worse and worse. Um, however, you did get that game postponed through... Mm-hmm. Uh, for, it wasn't that long. Was it a week? Something like that? Um, yes. For through a COVID outbreak, and a lot of fans um, uh, have raised their disdain. Is probably the best word uh, for that, considering you fielded arguably the strongest squad that you could uh, after having a COVID outbreak. Um, so what what's being banded around is Arsenal didn't really have a COVID outbreak. They could have they could have played that game. Um. It, it, to be honest, it wasn't a um, a COVID breakout. Um, one one of the things I think that Mikel Arteta was very clear about in his uh, request, and it was quite open and honest about it, was that the <clears throat> there was a lack of first team players due to injuries, COVID, and the African Cup of Nations. Now. Apparently, because I did uh, did a bit of research on this, um, is that the Premier League had made a rule that if you're unable to field, I think it was uh, 12 
first team players, including a goalkeeper, that gave you grounds to uh, request suspension. Now, <clears throat> in that covers the Africa Cup of Nations, the uh, sorry, internationals, <clears throat> um, COVID and injuries. Yes, we had some players go out on on loan this week, so it does. I can understand why there is uh, a bit of a, a sour taste in people's mouths. However, my understanding is because we had injuries to Tommy Asu, Bakaya Saka, all picked up uh, in the uh, in the Liverpool game. So obviously the game against Tottenham that was suspended. Yeah, we'd had a few players go out on loan. I think we had five players out at that particular point um, at the Africa Cup of Nations. Um, so we didn't have, oh, and, uh, Martin Erdegaard and someone else, I can't remember who tested, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe tested positive COVID. Now, I think Emil Smith-Rowe was, um, confirmed on the Sunday or just before the Spurs game, mm -hmm. but I think there were suspicions or something. Basically, we hadn't broken any rules. Um, I'm going to back us on this one. You know, you know what I'm like, I were, if, if. If I don't agree with something, I will hold my hands up and say, no, I disagree with it. But I think from looking at the statement that was issued yep. and the request that was put in, obviously, I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. I only know the facts that are put out to the uh, to the general public or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I can't see that there has been any breach of any rules. However, <clears throat> it's interesting um, what's come off the back of it. Yeah. Because we weren't the only team to request suspension or a postponement, sorry, of, of a fixture. On the Saturday, when we put the request in, mm -hmm. um, there was a massive uproar saying, this is ridiculous, blah, 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 blah. Um, and now they've looked to change the rules. So yep. never mind the 19 games that happened before us. As soon as we put a suspension in, oh, there's got to be rule changes. I and I get it from I get it from uh, a, um, a fan perspective because obviously you pay your money for your tickets yep. and and all that sort of business so i i do kind of get that and it's it's massively unfair but at the same time you want your best team to to be fielded because if you're yeah. going to watch an under 23s take on uh a, a full squad other team i'll i'll i'll, I'll say well, well i'll say spurs in this example because obviously that, that that was the game that was postponed um, you obviously want your best squad available in order to try and get the three points. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, that's the point. You need to come away with the points. Um, so I think, yes, we were correct in going for the suspension. I can understand why it's frustrating, but from looking at the rules in relation to uh, the request for suspension, oh, sorry, I keep saying suspension, postponement, we haven't broken any rules. Fair enough. As far as I'm aware. Yeah, that's fine. It's just just interesting to get an Arsenal's perspective on it. I, I couldn't find it any sort of every time it cropped up in conversation. Every Arsenal fan seemed to 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 praise and not want to get involved in it. Um, no, it, no. it I think it is it's quite difficult. To have it, as you said, not knowing exactly what's going on behind closed doors. There's there's no transparency in it. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that Leeds need to have um, some sort of fair play award awarded to them this season and the reason i say that is because that they're not not through covid or anything like that their squad has been ripped to the bones with injuries and i think some of that may be the training style of, of that non-stop pressure constant running 
Um, mm-hmm. But they they fielded squads when they have played a bench full of youngsters and and youngsters on the pitch. And and I think where most if if that was a a top six, a super league club, as you would say, they would be throwing their toys out the pram to, to get the, the fixtures postponed. So I do think Leeds yep. have uh, been very commendable this season, which is mm-hmm. a positive in football. Uh, it doesn't happen very often, but it is a positive. Um, but that being said, we don't have any football now until the 5th of February. Um, that is a win. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought it was an international break. It's not. It's just a winter break. So, so we now have a winter break. It's only what two weeks. Uh, but um, there are some um, South American World Cup fixtures. Uh, some, I think, Newcastle are going to Qatar. Not what a surprise. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bit of an odd one. It was meant to happen last year. Um, obviously, in the build up to there being a World Cup this coming December. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so sort of just to, to try and spread the season out. And then COVID happened, so it was all postponed, so it didn't happen. With the amount of, of postponed fixtures that have been there in the in the last, what, let's say, six weeks, do you not think this would have been the perfect time to catch up on those, on those games? And, and then everyone then starts again on an even kill. Yes and no. <clears throat> Obviously, as you mentioned, there is uh, the break there. And I, I think the one thing that we need to consider is the word break. Granted, yes, I do get that teams have had a game off or a whatever, as an example, where other teams are, or yeah, other teams around them have had to play fit. Um, <clears throat> but I think if you're giving one team or the majority of teams uh, a break from playing, uh, it gives a, a chance for their players to obviously recoup, and then you've still got other teams having to play fixtures. Then it doesn't kind of seem fair um, that you're going to have other squads around them having or potentially coming back from injuries and COVID and all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I get the logic in it. Um, I think it would make sense to it, but I think for for those teams that have had mitigating circumstances, I think is the best word here to um, for their fixture not to be played. Mm. I think giving everyone a chance to have a a break, I think could only be better or more beneficial for um, for for the Premier League so, going forwards. So, do you think then in, in that case? that there will be moans about fixture congestion and I've got to play three fixtures this week where like West Ham we we played what was it three games in in seven days um mm-hmm. that that's going to happen to a number of clubs now because mm-hmm. obviously you've got to fit those fixtures in before the end of the season yep so the likes of Liverpool and Spurs and I'm sure I'm sure Arsenal will be up there especially with 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 some of their fans and Chelsea and and Man City We'll all be going. Well, we can't play this many games. We've got Champions League. We've got Europa League. We've got the cups to go in. Uh, where no, do you I want to? And it's it's one of those that that is sort of you've got to pick and choose your battles. I've just found a little tag yeah. on the top of my hat. Um, let's get out of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's an odd one. I, I do. I don't know whether I like a winter break. I'm, I've got to be honest. I don't like breaks in in football for international fixtures, and to not even have that to moan about. Is is a bit hard. Um, 
I think one of the things I would just just say is that um, you were just talking about cup matches and and all that sort of stuff. Obviously, if you've got um, an cups, Arsenal cup still to play in, <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Um, no, for for the likes of Arsenal and let's say Watford as an example. I don't know if Watford are in the next round of the FA Cup. I can't remember what their score was. But, well, from from news that we'll come on to in a bit, um, it's it's one of those things for the teams that aren't in the Cup matches. I know know there's normally a break then, isn't there, for for teams. So that could be weekends that you start scheduling in those replacement fixtures as you get through the latter stages of the Cups. Yep. That Possibly. That, that would make sense. It makes sense. Um, so... That being said, obviously, we have no predictions to make. Um, so before we get on to breaking news, we made some predictions last week. Uh, if I'm honest, I, I know I thought that, that the Burnley game would have been postponed. It wasn't. Um, so so what, were the, uh, what were the predictions that we made? Okay, so we had the Arsenal-Liverpool fixture, Man United versus West Ham, and then followed by Arsenal-Burnley. Uh, Arsenal-Liverpool, you had it down as a 1-1 with Arsenal to win in extra time, which unfortunately we didn't. I had Arsenal to win 2-1. Yep. Obviously, we know the score was 2-0 with a red card. Like mm-hmm. I've mentioned at the, the start of the podcast, was a bit of a, a shit performance. And uh, yeah, it's over for another year. So no points there for either of us. Uh, going on to the Man United versus West Ham. You had 1-0 to Man United. I had 2-1 to West Ham. I think from from watching the game with um, the chances both teams had, I think they were unlucky or it was unlucky to uh, not to be a higher scoreline. Obviously, Man United got the winner kind of in the dying moments of the game and therefore you get three points. Yep. Um, Arsenal-Burnley, we were going to give you three points for the postponement. Obviously, the game went ahead and it was 0-0, but I had a 3-0 um overconfidence i think so no <laughs> points uh no points there uh so the total scores for the week is you have got three points i have on another zero hey. big fat zero that mountain is getting bigger in your are currently on 37 points and i'm still on 30 so nice. i need i need some i need some good good results uh coming in over the next couple of weeks fair enough so, yeah, we 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 get on to the the Man United goal in a bit. Um, but first of all, you mentioned Watford. Are they still in the FA Cup? I don't think so. Um, and I don't think Claudio Ranieri does either. Uh, only three <laughs> months three months in charge, which I think is actually quite a good stint for a Watford manager. But he's now gone, um, which is a shame because we play them soon, and with him at the wheel, um, I don't know what's happened since Ben Foster's not been in goal. They've been horrendous, and he's still out. We, I think he came back from injury and contracted COVID, and so he's still out. Um, Dennis is going to be out for for the next game, um, I think, because he he got suspended. But but Ranieri's gone. Um, I, I was going to say, are you surprised? But he's now their second manager of the se- uh, of this season. Um, mm-hmm. I think we could see him hitting four four managers this year quite easily. Do you think there's far too much expectations put on managers? Uh, I know they've had a bit of a, a an up and... Well, in fact, it's been more downs, but there have been some ups um, throughout the season. But I, do you think their owners are expecting too much from 
let's be honest, uh, uh, possibly a championship. Um, it's a difficult one. I think when you look at the model that they they have, which is sort of is similar to Chelsea's, just a hundred times the speed. So Chelsea's you generally get eighteen months and then you're gone. Um, at Watford, it's three or four months, and they just they rely on that new manager bounce. And every time a new manager comes in, they do get a run of four or five games where they play really well, and then it all starts to go downhill again. And I think the owners, that's what the owners model on, is that oh, we'll have four or five good games, four or five bad games, then we get a new manager and get four or five good games. Um, so it, it, it's an odd one because I think the players realise that, and and that must have some effect on the mentality of the players going, oh, well, we've, we've won four games now. So, uh, manager ain't got long. Let's, oh, I, I'm not going to bother. I'll save myself for the next manager so I can get in the squad again. Um, and and it's, it's odd to think like that. And I don't think anyone actively think, thinks like that. But subconsciously, if you've been there a while, you must going who's next then because mm. in, in, in three months time they're gone a little bit after I like I want to get in the World Cup squad what's going on it's it's, it's a difficult one I, I don't know who the next, I don't think who know who their next manager is going to be but whoever it is is only going to last a couple of months <laughs> so. well they are currently sitting in 19th on 14 points so I, one win would take them out of the relegation zone uh, yeah, but they they were they were a couple of weeks ago playing really good football. Um, it has to be said. Um, but it's they've just fallen off a cliff. I mean that that, mm. that performance against against yourselves was phenomenal. And at that point, you're like, no, nah, they they're not going to be in any trouble. But they just can't. They're, they're so inconsistent. Mm. They're so inconsistent. Um, who would you who would you put on being the next manager? <laughs> to be honest, mate. Um. I, th- I think there's only possibly one person you can look to. Exactly. Um, yeah. Possibly. Obviously, they've got a, a relegation scrap coming on. Like I said, it's not going to take too long or one win would get them out. And they've got a couple of games in hand anyway. So if they win both those games in hand, they're out of the relegation zone. Hmm. It's, it is very difficult because obviously we don't know who's available. He could end up going for some German third division. Yeah. If it's, Nobody. That's that's uh, that's the way I think you'll go. Be someone out of left field that no one's ever heard of. Yeah, and uh, let's be honest. I mean, granted, there there have been a few massive flops um, when it comes to managerial appointments. When it comes to um, your left field, <laughs> who the fuck are you? Kind of um, uh, appointments. But let's not forget one appointment back in the nineties, Mister Arsene Wenger. He was a nobody. Mate, he, he was shit for 24 years. <laughs> what did he do? One good season. That's what he did. <laughs> All right, fair, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> but no, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you got, I, think, I think their owners need to have um, kind of a, a good hard look at themselves because I think they're expecting too much. Excuse me. It's one, it's one of those <laughs> things. I, don't, I think unless, unless they do change their, their model of their club, that you're never going to get that longevity, and I, I think it's going to be a very rare thing if if we see that in the rest of our lifetime. It going back to some form of longevity with managers. I don't think that's <coughs> going to be a a thing anymore. 
Um, but that moves us on quite nicely then to the most contentious part of the podcast. Um, so if you haven't already, turn down your headphones. So, once again, a very long intro for VAR, bloody VAR, bloody VARI bastard. Much like the checks that take place, they take forever. What's that all about? There are a few that we need to uh, to look at. So, we have some examples, and I... Oh, oh, that's not what we want. We don't want to listen to the intro again. So, so number one, I think we should start with, uh, with Harry Kane. So, those of you who are on the YouTube, uh, obviously, you can see this. But Harry Kane's first uh, on the list. Push on 40 minutes on Thiago Silva. Thiago Silva went down like a sack of spuds. You would have to argue, yes, he, he is stronger than that. Uh, so, so the goal that Harry Kane then put in was disallowed. Um, what's your view on it? Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, fair play to uh, Thiago Silva. I think he... Um, no, I've, to be honest, mate, it, that's one of those um, one of those horrible ones, and it, it it kind of screams some dodgy decisions that we've seen in the Premier League <clears throat> over the, the course of VAR's existence. However, um, <clears throat> I think Roy Keane made a, a fair comment um, on this particular foul. Excuse me, two seconds. Um, yeah, I, he said that obviously if you're running at pace and you get the slightest little clip, it's enough to put you off your balance and therefore um, it would be given as a foul. There's, I think the defenders bought that big time. Yep. Um, there wasn't much contact. There's enough, I think, um, had that been us, we probably would have got red card for it. Um, <laughs> that dangerous player and all that sort of stuff, endangering the players' lives. Um, no, uh, I, I can kind of see it from both ways. I think is, he is a little bit harsh uh, because he's gone down like he's been shot from uh, shot from the, the floodlights. But at the same time, if you're going to push someone to get an advantage, then it's a foul. Yeah, I, I think from the from the picture that we've got is, is actually quite good, courtesy of Sky Sports. Thank you very much. Um, but uh, you can see Harry Kane, he's just about treading on part of the back of the boot. And a full stiff arm out while Thiago Silva's trying to stop and Harry Kane's still running. Um, mm -hmm. So at that point, if it was the other way around, Harry Kane would have gone down. They would have said penalty, red card, uh, obviously for denying a, a clear goal scoring opportunity, last defender, all that jazz. Um, double jeopardy, who knows if that would have come into it. But um, it's it's one of those, if it's the other way around, they would say it's a penalty, it's a clear penalty every day of the week. So you have to then sort of take the peaks with the troughs and say, well, yeah, he fouled him. So mm -hmm. uh, I think that was the only decision that VAR got right this weekend. Um, I have to say, we start off with a positive and then we just go downhill from there. Uh, number Get two. your ears ready. Uh, Jota. <laughs> yes. Uh, on on uh, Guaita. 
who was stationary on his knees. Um, and I know I say a goalkeeper needs to be strong, but when you get clattered at, at full pace uh, while you're on your knees and the bloke goes down like like you've, you've, you've just slept with his wife, um, <laughs> like the, the look on his face, he's like, oh my God, I can't believe you've done this. Um, that was a good meme. Cast back. I can't believe you've done this. Cast back to what was that? Two thousand seven. I don't know. Um, but yeah. So 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 Jota essentially has, has clattered the goalkeeper who's stationary and gone down and got a penalty. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just as I know it was the end of the game, but 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 Palace were coming back into it, and I think they may have grabbed something. Um, but if that was any other team, I don't see a penalty being given. Um, yet it's Liverpool. And it's been given. So, what 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 do you take on? What's your, what what uh, what is your take on that challenge? Well, there's there's a few contentious decisions from this game, but this one in particular, <clears throat> I think is is outrageous. I think is the only way that you can say that. Uh, even the referee's gone to have a look at the uh, the incident on the monitor, and is still given the penalty. Now, when you see when you see it at full speed. You can see Jota running into um, into the keeper. Mm-hmm. When you see it at slow speed, you can see even clearer that he's running to the keeper. How the hell that has been given, I did not know. We've said it before. In fact, you've been very, very strong at saying this. I'm more so believing it more and more each week when you see these stupid, contentious decisions that there is a big club bias. There is. <clears throat> and when I say big club, I mean the top three. So your Manchester Cities, your Liverpools, and possibly your Chelsea's. But certainly from those two, those two clubs, I think they're definitely seeing the rub of the green more than others. Uh, I'm not saying that there there haven't been decisions that we haven't got or have got um, when it's kind of like, hmm. But that is just so blatantly Jota running into the keeper. You can mm-hmm. see him direct his move towards the keeper. Yep. I'm not being funny. If you if someone's going down, your instinct is to move around it. He runs into it. And how how that has been missed, I do not know. I think that's an absolute shambles. It's one of those who I don't know who the ref was in that game or who the VAR was at Stockley Park, but both of them need to be sacked. Yep. That's not an education thing. That's a that's a quite clear incompetency. Um, and they need to be gone. Now, the next one, um, can't actually get an image of because the Premier League is called copyright on every image of it. And that was uh, Robin Cock on St. Maximin in the Leeds-Newcastle game. Now, St. Maximin ran through on, on goal, uh, left the ball behind, both in the box. Robin Cock um, absolutely cleaned him out. Uh, kicked both of his ankles and the ref went no VIL looked at it and went there's been no clear and obvious error there because there's been no contact what the fuck what the fuck I, I've got to be honest I haven't seen this one so I need well, to uh, I need to have a look you, you, if you find something Mike then then you are a better man than me because every, every time I've, I've I've seen it uh, or, or mention of it it's either been removed for copyright or um, it's just non-existent and it didn't Is there nothing on the... No, every image on Twitter of it, as I could find, has been removed. There's been other 
tackles um, that are being shown in, in other instances, but that particular one is being removed for copyright, which I think is a little bit suspicious, if you ask me. Um, Not even on the highlights? Nope, nothing. So if you ask me, that, that goes to show that there's something dodgy going on. Uh, now, the next one. Have we got the right image? Right. I've done a little little bit of play with this. So this is the image that VAR used. Same camera angle, same everything. Uh, and this is this is Manchester United's winner in the 93rd minute, or 93rd minute and 11 seconds of three minutes of added time. So how that works, I don't quite know, because that's in the 94th minute. However, Ryan Fredericks gave the ball away because he's a bellend. Um, and he's robbing the living. So, so that's that's problem number one. But VAR can't do anything about that. Problem number two. Well, well, say problem number two. What we have to look at here is is from from this image, you have to look at it and say Cavani looks like he's onside. From from an initial angle of this angle, he looks like he's onside. Uh, and I'd have to agree with that. But then I would also have to comment that the the pit the lines on the pitch are straight they have to be through regulation so they are straight so what i've done is i've used the same angle as var i have then copied the um the line of the edge of the the area and i've brought it inward so it looks a little bit odd so i'll change to that one now it looks a little bit like i've i've skewed it to one side i can assure you i haven't i've moved it dead on line with the 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 bottom line of 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 the uh the area and moved it as far as i possibly could and you'd have to say i'm probably giving a little a few more millimeters than what var does to uh the attacker and quite clearly uh half of cavani is the wrong side of the line so var using this one drew the line and drew it and he was completely onside. Um, there, there was almost daylight between the two. So how is it that either VAR has once again drawn a line that is inconsistent with everything else or the lines at Old Trafford are completely off to such a point where surely they should have to sort of be scrapped that game and it be re at least replayed on a pitch that meets all the regulations for the Premier League. But what's, uh, I mean, I'm a West Ham fan, so I'm, I'm going to chant, <clears throat> chant the way for it being, being offside all day long. But what's your, uh, what's your thoughts? There's, this, this is very interesting for me. And it's interesting to the point where I didn't even think um, about the, the different angles of, the, the camera, the, the way the VIR look at it. And it's not until <clears throat> you said to me that the, the front of the penalty box is straight. Therefore, anything along that line should be straight. Yep. Now, when when you first showed me the, the image, I was like, well, he skewed the lines a little bit. Yeah, no, uh, I, that I, looks really dodgy. But it's it's one of those optical illusions where you have um, kind of like the, the arrows pointing upwards on one side and then the arrows pointing up and then you say, which is the, the longer line? Um, it's, just, it's one of those, isn't it? Where, yeah. Well, the, the, um, re the reason I did it is because I'd, I'd seen some images uh, that people had drawn their own line on it and things like that. And it, I was like, no, that, that, I'm sorry, that, that's not right. You can't, 
draw your own line because then again you're saying right subjectively i've said that that line's straight i've so i did it myself and i took i thought the straightest line there is is the line from from the edge of the box you have to say that is that is straight that is a constant in in the game and that's mm -hmm. that's why i've done it um yeah go on sorry I've, i interrupted you no no that's, that's fine i think it's a very valid point that you're making there um and it's it's worrying it is worrying that if if you're showing that there is a constant there, and I would love to hear some sort of explanation if they can debunk excuse me what you're saying <clears throat> because it may be something that where we're looking straight on at the line and then when you try and move your your eye line closer to closer I, to go sorry, on. Go on. I, I would say, I would say that the, the Considering this is the angle they used, it's not good enough. Well, my my suggestion then, just because there's there seems to be kind of like these fixed points where um, they're drawing lines from. So they've got a couple of cameras either side, for example, where they can show these offside decisions. Why don't they have something really simple? And I know, obviously, you've then got to rely on this working, but something along the advertising boards where it kind of runs along a mounted camera halfway to halfway just runs along because then there's no subjectiveness you'll be able to see the line clear as daylight there won't be any discrepancies about toenails and all the yeah. angles dodgy and all that see, sort of stuff and it's <clears throat> I, I, I do agree I, I think the same thing could be achieved with four wide angle cameras um you place them roughly in line with a penalty spot on each side of the pitch. Um, so there's no, no discrepancy of, oh, it's blocking the view. Then take the line from the edge of the pitch, which you've paralleled up with the laser level, so there is no way it can be off with the centre of the image, and you just move that along until such point it touches a player. And and kind of that, there's no then drawing the lines. That line just keeps going until you go, oh, I think there's a problem there. And that will either be a defender or an or an attacker. If it's a defender, mm -hmm. then he's onside. If it's an attacker, then he's off. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very similar... Every other sport... I, I know we go on about it. Every other sport gets it right. And they get it right week after week after week. The only, the only place it can't seem to get it right is the Premier League. They get mm -hmm. it right abroad. Okay, yes, they do make some mistakes. But there's nowhere near as many contentious issues as there are in the Premier League. And... I'm going to say it again, the reason for that is because somewhere along the line there is match fixing going on. Mm -hmm. um, and people go, well, you've got no evidence for that. No, I haven't, but I'm, I, I can guarantee you it, it's going on. It goes on in every league of the world. When you, when you talk to, to, to ex-professionals and things like that, um, even Paul Merson was trying to match fix at one point, wasn't he, his career, because um, he was betting on it himself. And I can guarantee you there are bets going on all over the place uh, and the higher powers are demanding things to happen to put money in their pocket. Um, what what I'm going to say is a little bit controversial, especially for me. Now, I don't like governments getting involved in things that they've got no right getting involved in. However, I think there needs to be some form of external inquiry into the Premier League, the refs, and the VAR. Um, and that needs to be by people who have got nothing to do with football and have got no ties to any of the, the stuff to get some answers because 
if I'm honest, it's it's ruining it for me. I, I know we had a, a bit of a, a good time of it for a few weeks, but now we've gone back again and it's now even worse than it was before. Mm. And it's, I, I say it's not fair. It's not fair. And it's not fair for, for a lot of clubs and a lot of fans. And the decisions week in, week out are abysmal. And, and there's no repercussions. No, there's no repercussions. And, and whenever there is a real wrong decision, it's copyright claim. So you can't show any images of it. It's There's all sorts of problems with it. Um, and they just back it and say, no, it was a good decision. Quite clearly, no. it wasn't. The pundits, <clears throat> the pundits are saying it's not. The ex-players are saying it's not. The fans are saying it's not. The people who don't give a fuck about football look at it and go, that's, that's not right. That should be a foul. Like, it's, it's now a huge problem. I don't remember there being this many contentious decisions when VAR didn't exist. Yes, you had a few where you go, oh, that's the, the line I should have, should have caught that. That was well offside. Mm-hmm. But that was, you'd say what? You'd probably get three or four of them bad decisions a season. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting three or four of those bad decisions a week. A week, hundred um, percent. It's it is frustrating, and what's even more frustrating is is like when you said um, just a moment ago when you have the the um, the the governing body for for referees. I can't remember for me what it is off the top of my head, but when you've got some dickhead that comes out and says. And, and backs up the decision. Yeah. They're not, or, or they've they've come out with some bullshit as to kind of like uh, justify why the referee or justify why uh, the VAR official has has made that deci- that decision. I I think one thing that I really enjoy uh, reading about is that ref watch that you see on Sky Sports, mm-hmm. um, where you get interviews with uh, Dermot Gallagher, um, and he or, or they look at the the contentious decisions throughout the week and then they give their justification or um, they the justification for why the decision stood or why they disagree with it. I think it's absolutely brilliant because you do have regular Joe pundit saying, I don't, I don't agree with this decision. And then it gives them the opportunity to explain why um, the decision has been made by either the referee or the VAR official. However, I'm going to come back to um, an incident in the Liverpool game, um, which we, it's it's not massive um, in terms of the, the penalty, but they were talking about uh, Bobby Firmino. Is he in an offside position yep. uh, for when Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain scored? Now he come back, uh, sorry, Deborah Gallagher come back and said um, that no, the, the, the lines, uh, sorry, the VAR official deemed that Bobby Firmino wasn't um Interfer- whilst he was in an offside position, he was not deemed to be interfering with the goalkeeper and or the defender. Yep. Now you have um the the pundit, I can't remember what his name was, um, and and two ex um players, I believe. Um both all, all three of them come out and said, Well, why why is that not an offside? Because He's not only interfering with the goalkeeper's position because had, had he gets his head to the ball, the keeper's then got to be able to save it. Yep. The defender is obviously looking over his shoulder and because Bobby Firmino has then jumped for the ball, again on the off chance that he is onside, that player needs to defend 
um, in in front of goal. Yep. Now you've got a player that's actively making look um, actively making um, an attempt for the ball. Obviously, it goes over his head at that particular point. But then Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain comes up behind and mm-hmm. obviously slots the ball into the net. Now, what all of these, um, the, the Sky Sports Pundit plus the two ex-professionals are saying is that had Bobby Firmino not been there, that would have altered the goalkeeper's position ready for the ball coming over and ready for Oxlade-Chamberlain's shot. And the defender would have altered his position Um from watching the ball over and then being able to turn and get onto uh, Chamberlain's shot or yep. outside Chamberlain's shot. And this is the bit that pissed me off <clears throat> is that we've brought, or we were told that VL was being brought in um, to ensure that the number of incorrect decisions are reduced within a game. Yep. And we've said it before on so many different podcasts that VAR is subjective. Um, and that's our personal opinion. VR is subjective because you can have four different people look at the same incident and not everyone will agree. Obviously, if you've got something that's clearly black and white, then you're going to come to it. But when it comes to something like this, um, you have one person's opinion may be different to another person's opinion. And Dermot Gallagher said, well, that's subjective. The VAR official didn't feel that he was encroaching or interfering with play. You have all the other people saying he is interfering with play. Yeah. But when you've got people that have played the game, know how the game works, have put themselves in their mindset, they feel that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Why aren't the referees taking these sorts of comments on board? And how, when you've got a system that's supposed to reduce the amount of errors... How can that be subjective? It's either right or it's wrong. Yep. And how can it produce more errors? It's, it's that that comment really fucked me off because that is VAR is there. It's supposed to right the wrongs. It's not supposed to cause more controversy. I I, I but but this is the thing, right? I think it's been um sort of sidetracked by match fix. I really do, and I'll say it as uh, till till the cows come home. Until someone can prove me wrong, it takes that then controversy away from the referee that's on the pitch of he's fixed the match because you did get that. And are the referees on that side? To actually, it's not it's nothing to do. It's, it's someone who's hidden away in a room somewhere that no one no one sees, no one's going to look at. And, and next week when they're on the pitch, they're not they're not then the target. The target is the bloke in the room who's sort of nameless and faceless for most of you. I know they tell you who they are and they are referees, but they're not in a, they're not in a firing line. And and that's why, why I think it's match fixed. Cause on the, da- on the, on the day, people would, people would be like the referees would be uh, lynched. But I don't know. Sorry. Kurt. I was going to say, but because, because the person making that final decision isn't there. No, no, uh, no harm, no foul, is it? Because the, the, the on-field official's gone, well, that's what they've told me. I'm not... It's wrong. Sorry, well, I, I, I wouldn't have said that. There's there's two points I want to make th- to that statement, then. One, yep. um, why... The, sorry, the decision ultimately should be with the referee. Yes. That's why they've given them the monitors and stuff like that. So I think them then behind, hiding behind 
the VAR thing, which they said they were never going to do, but obviously seems to be like they are doing it. Yep. And my second question, or my second point to that, in rugby, in cricket, in tennis, when it comes to um, the the decisions, i.e. Hawkeye or going to the third umpire or something like that, or the video referee in rugby, yep. you can clearly hear what these people are saying. And the, the reason... What? The reason for that is to keep it transparent so that it cannot be fixed or it cannot be as easily fixed. So I don't understand why there is that. Well, obviously, I think that's just further evidence that supports your theory. Yeah, they they, they Um, don't want people to hear because of the conversation that's going on are quite clearly horrendous. And they quite clearly say, oh, I don't want to upset you. You got out wrong, but we'll just say it's right. It's fine. I'll take the heat for it. Mm. Oh, we've got, a, we've got a big bet on. Can you give a yellow card so I can overturn it to a red or, or tell you that it was wrong and you can overturn it? You know what I mean? I, I guarantee you there's been some of those. Give a penalty away in the next 10 minutes. 50 grand in it for you. Mm. Yeah, it, 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 worry, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, don't worry if it's a penalty or not because we've got to overturn it either way. But yeah, it, it's it does think the more and more you talk about it, the more and more it makes sense. I like this conspiracy theory, but this one makes sense to me. Like, like I've listened to people tell me that the the world's flat and, and they're just fucking idiots. But um, <laughs> but I, I I do truly believe that 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 the VAR is just um, a match fixing uh, tool. Um, but. More positive things. It is the transfer window. Everyone's saying how difficult it is. Um, so we have some that are potentially close and look like they're going to happen. Unfortunately, neither of those things are for West Ham or Arsenal. Um, but uh, on on let, let's put it this way: um, Armada Traore from Wolves uh, looks like he's going to, to Spurs. They've they've. They've been floating around him for a little while. And some, some would say that that would make him a Daniel Levy signing. And the reason I say that is the last three managers they've had have been linked with him. I can't imagine they all want the same player. Uh, but but a £20 million move he's, he's looks like it's on the cards. Uh, from what I've read, it's been accepted. And they've just got to agree everything else. So whether there's an agent in the, in the way, Mr. Riola, um, could be an issue. Um would that be a good signing for Spurs, do you think? Um, I think currently with possible injuries or... I, I, do you know what? I'm, I'm so on the fence with Traore because whenever I've seen him play against us, he's looked strong, he's looked solid, got a lot of pace, but there doesn't really seem to be that kind of end product. Um I know we we mentioned about this, or we spoke about this very briefly before we started recording, but I think you summed it up perfectly in that he is a bit of a pace man. He's he's very much your your Theo Walcott's, your... Aaron Lennon's, um, your Ryan Ryan Fredericks. It it, it does... For for £20 million, though, I mean... I think I don't know whether that's a good a good buy or not. I think you have to say for twenty million quid, it's probably worth a punt. And the reason I say that is, is twenty million quid ten years ago, you'd go, oh, that's a that's a club record signing. Now that's it's nothing, is it? That's mm-hmm. that gets you what Chris Wood. Um, so it's like I think it's worth a punt. 
will he be a success? I don't think so. I think he'll get a few good assists, maybe a couple of goals. That'd be about it. But for me, not, with with the state that Spurs are in, not 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 the not the players to bring in. Um, however, one that does look like it could be a good bit of, bit of business. Uh, Christian Eriksen looks like he's very close to joining Brentford on a six-month loan. Now, Brentford, I think, uh, a pleasantly surprised number of people. They've been quite good. They've been very, very tight-knit as a group. Uh, what they have struggled with is creating chances. Um, mm-hmm. So so they do get a, a fair few, and they do get a few goals from midfield as well. But, but getting consistent chances uh, has been something they've struggled with in the Premier League. Now, Christian Eriksen, obviously, as we know, is is a fantastic little playmaker and has done it in the Premier League. Obviously, he's now got a, uh, he's a playmaker with a pacemaker now. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so so they, 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 looks like they're offering him a six month deal to see how his fitness is as well um, and whether he can do it. Can he keep up with the Premier League pacing? Don't know. That's 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 a big question mark. Um, but I think if they can get that, what a, what a coup that is to. Uh, to, to attract a player of that calibre. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you summed it up brilliantly there with his quality. And it's such a shame what happened to him during the uh, during the Euros. I don't think anyone was expecting... Or in fact, no one expects any top kind of like elite athlete to, to have to suffer with um, something as serious as that. I mean, it was, it was effectively dead, wasn't he? Um, yeah. But to, to be able to come back from it, I know it's not not going to be the first uh, first instance of this because we have seen it with, I think we mentioned uh, Daily Blind yep. uh, in last week's podcast. But I think it's a sensible move for both parties, if I'm being completely honest, because you mentioned last week that with the, the underlying medical condition, he then can't play football. So that kind of rules him out um, in Italy, I think you said. Yep. Um, so he gets back to playing football heaven forbid that the worst should happen again and he collapses on the pitch um and i i know this sounds awful but if it means that he can't end up playing again in future hopefully he recovers if it happens at all um it it does make sense it's probably the safest place for it to happen if it were to happen yeah in the most horrible way that sounds yeah like you'd, you'd never wish it upon anyone, but but well, maybe some people. But um, if if it um, if he if he if he does have an incident, then obviously everything's now geared up to be the best. It's probably better than having a heart attack in a hospital, having a heart attack on a football pitch now. But yeah, okay. So, so next, Newcastle. Obviously, we mentioned Chris Wood, we mentioned Kieran Trippier. Not quite the window they were expecting. Uh, they are pushing. Manchester United now for a loan. Manchester United do not want to let Jesse Lingard leave on a loan. They want him to go either permanently or not at all and leave on a free at the end of the season. Um, West Ham are out the running with it, uh, I think, completely. And the reason for that is we were a direct rival for them. So it wouldn't make sense. I get that. But Jesse Lingard to Newcastle. Do you think he'll, he'll um, take the pump? Again, that's a difficult one because with with the the capability or the investment capability that Newcastle now have, um, it's it's. I think with the likes of uh, Kieran Trippier and Chris Wood, both of those signings for me were 
your left field signings. I know we mentioned when the takeover happened that the January transfer market was going to be very much a, a you need to bolster your squad. Um, but for me, those players are strange signings. I'm not saying I don't think they're good, uh, they're good footballers because I think on their day they can be very good players. Yep. But <clears throat> for for me, if I was Jesse Lingard, well, there's 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 two options or there's two thoughts uh, behind this. One, you could go to Newcastle if they're willing to pay the money for the, for a permanent deal, and then you get. Let's be honest, pretty good wage, or you're going to be getting pretty good wages now. Yep. Obviously, with the investment, but is that with a view that they further recruit in uh, in the summer, when more players I think would be available end of contracts and and all that sort of stuff. Like I said, we did mention it before, and it was going to be kind of like a a bolster the squad period in within this transfer window and then possibly hit hard come um come the summer but does he run the risk that if they do bolster in the summer that he then drops down the pecking order whereas if he waits till the end of the season he could sign for west ham west ham uh, if if i can yeah make the assumption that West Ham players, oh, sorry, West Ham fans really liked him at the club when he was there. I think he enjoyed his time there. For me, the sensible option would be to wait till the end of the, the end of the, the summer and join West Ham on a free. Yeah, that would be mine. That, that makes sense. I think the the problem Newcastle are having, uh, especially with attracting big names, is the fact that they are in a relegation scrap, and if it does go wrong. Not none of those big names want to be playing in the championship, mm-hmm. especially in a World Cup year. If they were sitting yep. mid-table, I reckon they would probably attract Lingard, Martial, um, and, and a couple of other big names that would would then transform from a mid-table squad to a Europe challenging squad. I'm not saying Champions League, but but certainly to get a European place. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the foreign talent that's potentially going to come in, it looks like they're, they're still going for some big names, but 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 for some of the foreign talent that's coming in, I think they will probably put in a sort of like a relegation release clause. If you go down, I get to leave on the cheap. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and one of those players who potentially is coming in is Diego Carlos from Seville, defender. Now, I don't know too much about him, if I'm totally honest with you. I know that they put in a £30 million bid and were told to pay his release clause, which is 379 they're about eight mil shy, which in terms of, of footballing transfers, again, is quite cheap when you compare him to Harry Maguire. Um, they do need some defensive uh, backup. I, I think they have the bones of a, of, of a squad structure there. Um, obviously, we mentioned Trippier. Good signing for him. You know what you're going to get. He's not going to put up trees, but he can deliver a ball, which is what they're struggling with. And defensively, he's quite reasonable. Um, mm-hmm. Chris Wood, I think, was a bit of a an odd one, but I think that's a case that they couldn't attract the big name strikers. You know, with Chris Wood, he, he's been the last three three or four seasons. He's been in double figures for Burnley, who don't create any chances. So you put the ball in front of him, he's gonna score goals, and he's mm-hmm. big. He's a big lump as well. So he, he's he's yeah. sort of that. Even if he's not scoring the goals, he's going to have two men on him because he's a bit of a nuisance, which then leaves you room for your more creative players. You. 
your St. Maximums. Do you know what I mean? To, to get into that space and score. Um, so for them, I think they, they do need a couple more a couple more signings, definitely. That, that they, They've started to turn the corner a little bit and I think they need to capitalise on that. And I think the winter break for them has come right at the wrong time because that could take momentum out of their sales. Now, yeah. moving on to Arsenal. There's not been much much more movement. Obviously, we see a couple of uh, a couple of loan deals go out, as you said. Uh, but Abamyang uh, had an offer to go to somewhere or other uh, on loan. Uh, he's rejected the opportunity to do that. I think Arsenal did as well. I think they're sort of standing their ground for quite firm. Of oh, he's an Arsenal player. But but what I have read, whether it be true or not, is that if he leaves in January. He wants to move to Europe. He wants to move to France or to Italy. Um, now, could, you, could we see potentially uh, uh, an aging PSG squad add another aging superstar to their ranks? It would make sense. They're probably one of the teams that could afford his wages, and they know they're definitely going to be losing Mbappe. Mm-hmm. So, okay, he's not. See, I, I would argue, uh, Bamiang, you've made a m- another Willian mistake there. He's, he's, he's past his peak and he's got his big deal and he's not going to put in the effort. Um, now, in the French Farmers League, I reckon he could still do a job at half effort. What, what, what I, do you take on that? Do you think he'll leave? Do you think he'll stay? I've, do you know what? When that, when that offer came out for the, I think it was um, a, a Saudi club that come in for him. It was, yeah, that's um, right. Correct. For eight, eight million pounds and they were going to pay his wages or something with a, an obligation to buy it in the summer i think it was it was either obligation or, or buy in the summer um <clears throat> again i think that's kind of coming to the end of your career um i think we've just seen santi Cazorla pick up some uh award for goals and assists at the age of 37 within that league um so maybe in a couple of years time that is definitely going to be one of those money signings that you could potentially see him in um do i think he will leave arsenal um not unless the right offer comes comes in um i don't we he's still got what two years left on his contract yeah or his his extended contract um and that's a lot of money for him to potentially miss out now unless we get a, a, a kind of more realistic for which i appreciate for an aging person he's 32 now or 30 or coming up to 33 i think he is yeah um <clears throat> personally i think this is one of these mesa Ozil type situations where you're gonna have to either buy him out of his contracts i i hate to say it because i do want him to come back into the team um I, I I do want to see him again back in an Arsenal shirt, but I wanted to see Mesut Ozil. I wanted to see Jack Wilshere. I wanted to see Aaron Ramsey. I wanted. I'm just a bit of a sentimental person. Um, yes, he had a bit of a torrid season last season. I know we've gone through the the disciplinary issues, and I get the culture that Mikel Arteta is trying to instill in the club. And if you got someone so senior not following by those rules. Do you then want that person in or around the club? And I, I get that. I really do get that. Um, but for me, I don't see him moving on the end of this transfer window, possibly the summer. Um, and again, it's just going to have to be one of those more realistic offers, I believe. And, and last but certainly not least, 
Uh, West Ham. Um, obviously, there's been rumblings we're looking for the right player, striker, for a long time. Um, now, it looks like David Moyes has pretty much confirmed there's going to be no business. We've been linked with Dominic Calvert-Lewin for 60 million quid. I don't know where that came from. We won't play. We won't pay twenty million pound for a player. So where are we going to get sixty million from? I don't know. Um, we've been linked with Tarkovsky again today. We've been linked with Kate Lacar again today. Uh, but what what seems to be the the running theme with every single transfer rumor that's come around is West Ham don't want to buy anyone. They only want loan deals with an option to buy. Which in a January transfer window, you're not you're not going to get not unless you, your option to buy is mandatory and ridiculous. Um, I personally, I've got a couple of opinions. I think that the, the fan base will start to turn again, which will make it very hard for us to um, continue our upward trajectory, which we've been on. And unfortunately, with the amount of games in hand that people have got around us, and the fact that we get cheated out of Manchester United points. Um, is is quite easily we could be down in tenth before we know it because it's still quite quite close, um, mm-hmm. and that's quite a scary fault considering how how high we were flying. Um, now now the other thing being that that's crossed my mind more recently, like today, is do you remember when David Moyes went to Manchester United and okay he inherited a, a squad that won the, the league but should have finished seventh. But the only player he could attract was Fellaini, who'd already played under him. I think if th- there's a there's a potential problem there because he's he he's his opinion there very much was towing the club line. We're still looking for the right players. We don't want to bring in just anyone and throw money at it. It's the same it's the same party line now. I think there potentially is a problem with him being able to attract players to play under him. And that won't be helped at West Ham by the fact the owners don't want to spend anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a rock and a hard place. But I think this the, the, the Moisire, as he's being called, I think his reign won't last too much longer. I think if we have a bit of a fall from grace, I think he'll be out. Um, I think the fans will turn on him. And at that point, it's his scapegoat, isn't it? Because the board will come out and say, we, we were trying to buy players left, right and centre. He wouldn't. He wouldn't let us buy anyone. He he wanted to control it, and 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 he didn't want to bring anyone in. We're not so bad, but we've got rid of him and we'll bring in someone else. And I think that's the way it's going to go, unfortunately, which is a real shame because I think we've had a we've got a good a good base now to build off of, providing that that the squad depth issue is is addressed and the right players are brought in. You have to say they've got Kurt Zuma right. What a fantastic signing he was. Glad, good to see him back. Uh, who else did we bring in? We brought in um, Alex Crow, who's played two games all season with an option to buy. So that was a bit of a pointless one. We brought in uh, Vlasic for £24 million. Who's, he scored one goal and been a bit lacklustre. It's, it's not great. It's not great. Not great. Loan signs well, only. Well, they're, they're, they're still, what, just over a week now um, to the end of the transfer window. Yes. A lot can happen. A lot can happen. It can. My, my opinion of it is, though, he's, he's get the biz. I know some of it will clubs will drag their feet in this and the other. 
but but these are all the sort of talks that should be going on in in sort of October, November, even mm-hmm. even in December. So come opening day, bish bash boss, it's done. We've got a deal, and actually we've got him in for as long as we can this season to get settled. I don't know why why it's so sort of drag your feet, drag your feet, drag your feet. Oh, panic buy. Do you know what I mean? That's what it feels yeah. like every year, and it just it frustrates the hell out of me. Um, I'd I'd say the only the the only reason why some teams leave it till deadline day is because if they didn't, you wouldn't have or deadline day wouldn't be so special. Wondering. <laughs> What what's going to happen during the day? I mean, I th- I think in the last transfer window we we ended up with six signings, and let's be honest, Ben White, Tommy Asu, Aaron Ramsdale, um, who else? Lukonga, um, Sammy Lukonga. Yeah, I mean he's been a bit hit and miss. Nuno Tavares. They've all been pretty good signings for us. Um, so what you're telling me is I'm overlooking the fact that the clubs only do it for the fans' benefit. I would say so, mate. I did a bit of drama. Maybe the deals are already done, and they just add spice it up, like spice girls. Spice up your life. Well, spice up your life. Well, now you've said it like yeah. Now now you've said it like that. I mean, I'm quite happy with our business then. Really, it's um, (laughs) don't know what I was expecting. Um, but I don't. I don't think there's any other footballing news from this week. I'm totally no. We have. I think we've done it extensively this has been a good one and to be honest i was actually really looking for this one because of the, the amount of drama that's gone on over oh, the weekend mate. um it's it's been a, a, a very good one and it's been nice as well to mm. actually rant about it because <laughs> being, being stuck in these four walls mate it's um it gets a bit boring sometimes just arguing with yourself and talking to yourself because the wife she don't give a shit my five-year-old daughter she she just thinks hands are brilliant and stuff in a minute of mouth. Five years old, she's aged quick. Fucking hell. Five months old. Oh, I thought you said five years old. I was going to say bloody hell. If, 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 all right, five months old. If I said years old. <laughs> um, I'm going to go rewatch it now. Um, her hands in her mouth are the best things in sliced bread. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit. <laughs> she doesn't a give boring. a toss about the AR. <laughs> no. No. So, um, it's, it's nice to come on and vent these, so yes. thank you. <laughs> yes, that's fine. So uh, until next week, uh, obviously I've been Ian. I've been Mike. Uh, hopefully there'll be some transfers and stuff to bring you. It'll probably be a bit of a transfer show uh, next week because there is no football. Um, but yeah, we've been on the air. Uh, make sure you're subscribed and we will see you very, very soon. Thanks very much. <laughs>